Welcome to Urban Planning is Not Boring. I'm Sam. And I'm Nat. All right. We're rolling. Good evening. (laughs) Good, whatever time you're listening to this. (laughs) I wanted to say good morning, but it's actually nighttime. It's actually dark outside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Uh, did you see the Barbie movie? I did see it. And unpopular opinion, I did not like it. Oh, I loved it. I'm so sorry, everyone, but wasn't my vibe. I mean, it was good, but, you know, I wouldn't watch it again. Fair enough. I want to take Sean to see it because I saw it with my family. Um, but I want him to see it, too. So. I might have to see it again. But that sounds exciting. I think yeah. Sean will love it. <laughs> really? I don't know if he will, but hopefully. Hopefully. I feel like he would enjoy it. Yeah. I think so. So how um, have you been? What's new in your world? So I'm starting my job in like, two weeks a little like a week and a half and I'm I'm really excited excited, but I'm also really feeling like existential doom about like literally having to work the rest of my life so that's (laughs) that's one thing but I am actually really excited to start like getting back into a routine I've definitely been just like chilling for a while now and yeah yeah I think I'm excited to meet people and be working again that's gonna be great I'm really excited for you I can't wait to hear all about it and I can't yeah. wait for our listeners to hear all about it yeah and that um I'm gonna be on a little vacay with the fam next week or I guess tomorrow when we're recording this so that will be yeah. fun I know you told me about that going up to Tahoe yeah Sounds so fun. Yeah. God, I wish I could have a vacation right now. <laughs> I would love one. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like my last hurrah. And then. It's good. You've had a really busy summer and I feel like it's just going to be so nice, you know, to look back on all those memories and then, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you're well rested and now you can start exactly. this new job. It's going to be good. I am very well rested. That's pretty much yes. all I've done for the last like yeah. week. So. <laughs> I love that. Well, today's episode is solely due to the fact that Sam had this great idea to talk about Move Culver City, and she had texted me about this um, a few days ago, and I thought this was like a great thing to talk about. Sam obviously knows a lot more about it than I do, so I want you, Sam, to just start us off, and then we can jump right in. Yeah, I think I heard about this a while ago because obviously I was living right around Culver City. So it had kind of been the talk of the town, at least amongst transportation enthusiasts. But basically Move Culver City was a citywide a city-wide city-led effort that envisioned a reimagining of streets as public spaces that prioritize moving people more efficiently and safely particularly in the design of the street 
And so what they basically did was create physically separated bus and bike lanes on three different streets around the city, which were all like pretty main streets, um, Culver Boulevard, Washington Boulevard, and then La Cienega, which are like very large streets, multi lanes. Yes. And basically there would be one line, one lane of car access will remain, would remain in both directions. And basically the goal was to help ensure that bus passengers, cyclists, emergency vehicles, pedestrians would benefit um, from the increased speeds and ease of travel and then reliability. And the community was not very happy. Well, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there was a mixed opinion on the project. Um, mostly because there was complaints of increased traffic. Mm-hmm. But the people that expressed those often were in support of the goals of the project because the goals are largely, you know, we're going to be more sustainable in terms of like environmental goals. We're going to have mm-hmm. safer streets, more options, more multimobility and um, making it easier to access like the Expel line, which is like a light rail line. Um, Efficient, like efficient mobility for bikes and pedestrians. But all of this being said, um, the project was axed because of public backlash for the most part. And the city council this last week um, voted it down by a vote of three to two to end the program that created the protected bike and bus lanes on Culver and Washington. And so the new plan is to have cyclists share lanes with buses and bring back car lanes wherever feasible. However, I don't know the details obviously of like where they're going to be bringing back the car lane and how that's gonna work. Cause right now there's a separate bike lane and a separate bus lane. Yeah. I. Uh... I now, as everyone knows, live where Sam used to live and downtown Culver is very close to me and I'm, I'm down there, you know, pretty frequently. Um, and I have seen, I really loved the idea and the concept. Um, I definitely can say that, yeah, I didn't really notice a lot of traffic congestion, but I also wasn't going at peak hours, so I can't speak to that. But one thing that I can say is walking was wonderful also Mm -hmm. like the safety for cyclists fantastic however the way that it was designed did feel very confusing as a driver um because the bollards that they were using were really confusing because they had like painted the street and i think the idea was like to paint it for pedestrians and cyclists but then they had painted the bus lane and that made it really confusing because I thought that that was like for pedestrians only and then I would see like a bus shooting down and I was like wait like am I am I in the right lane and the bollards got a little bit weird um for like kind of understanding where the turn lanes were and so that would be like my only that was like my only perception of the or like my kind of only issue with the design but I think obviously the concept was really amazing and it's very disappointing to hear 
that it's been, you know, shot down. Um, but I think it's just, yeah, it's a very interesting, there's like so many things running through my head with like, that have to do with like transportation and social behavior, but yeah, I'll let you keep going. Yeah, I think that, you know, as a pilot project, like obviously there's going to be flaws and I do kind of wish that the immediate solution wasn't like, oh, let's like completely, like let's completely rethink this. Like, oh, like how can we make this more efficient for people who are driving? But also keep in mind that like the reason that we are doing this at its core is like not necessarily for drivers, but obviously it should be safe enough that drivers know like where they're supposed to be, but also convenient for other people. And so I think that the immediate reaction kind of being like, let's like repeal this, whatever is, is like kind of annoying. Yeah, Um, I agree. Especially too, because where they decided to run this pilot, they chose really great locations like Culver Boulevard, for example, has so many shops and restaurants that like, it really should be more pedestrian oriented than car oriented. mm -hmm. So I think it was a great concept. And it's just, I I agree with what you're saying that instead of like knocking it down, maybe there should have been an effort to say, okay, maybe we can just reimagine this instead Mm -hmm. and, you know, try to make it a little bit better for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting. So the city has in April of 2023, put out a Washington and Culver Boulevard tactical mobility lane post pilot report. So basically some findings that were gleaned from the pilot period. And it's really interesting in the project area, cycling activity increased 57% compared with pre-pandemic level compared with pre-pandemic levels. Um, and like the, the parts of the project that didn't used to have bike lanes experienced the greatest increase in bicycle trips along the corridor, which like makes sense. Um, Bus ridership in the project area was up by 38%. Micro mobility trips, which were mostly electric scooters, were up 68%. Um, Bus ridership on that corridor that they chose as the pilot is outpacing growth of both the Culver City bus system as a whole and LA Metro. Um, People walking were increased compared to before it was implemented and very interestingly they have not had a significant impact on peak vehicular traffic compared to the pre-pandemic condition in the morning hours traffic moves faster through the corridor than in 2019 and in the afternoon average travel times have only increased by two minutes so it's quite interesting that the findings that they have kind of sourced from in this report show Mm -hmm. that like okay two minutes right you know like for most people that's kind of like negligible amount of time like if we're talking 10-15 minutes like that's not great but like in the morning you're moving faster and in the afternoon it's two minutes on average like I don't know it's interesting that the council still I mean I guess it's just the power of the public standing up for what they believe in and absolutely forward I mean, honestly, like, we've kind of seen this play out. Everybody has seen this play out. Politics is always going to, at the end of the day, kind of 
you know, have a, a more significant impact. And it's really disappointing because the data can show what it shows all day long. And mm -hmm. if enough people are upset and if enough people can rally together and say, hey, you know, we don't want this or, hey, we want this, like the city council is going to kind of move where their constituents are at. Mm -hmm. And that's extremely disappointing because I don't think that shows, you know, great leadership, but I understand yeah. that there are obviously challenges and, you know, politics can get a little bit crazy, but I even, I remember going to city council meetings where there were people that didn't even drive and were complaining about traffic congestion. So it's like, honestly, if people feel just mobilized or if, you know, someone just wants to get behind something, because even if they, you know, even if it doesn't directly impact them, they, they can do it. And mm -hmm. so that's like the power of the, of the public. And mm -hmm. it's really great in certain circumstances. And yeah. then in, you know, cases like this, it can be really devastating because it, it ends up, you know, ending projects that could actually be of great benefit. And obviously through the data that's being displayed, it was, you know, highlighting some really great changes. Um, mm -hmm. So that is really sad to, to hear, honestly. Yeah. And the report even says like the survey, they, they did a survey just to see how people were feeling. And I'm going to just read this verbatim because I don't know how better to say it, but it says that the survey revealed that most residents are opposed to the pro project overall. Despite their opposition, most residents support how Move Culver City improved safety for walking and biking and increased transportation alternatives. Six in 10 support continuing Move Culver City with a plurality favoring making changes to the project to address their concerns. And I feel like that's like what we were getting at the beginning. Yeah. Which is like maybe just try to rethink. And I, I guess that is kind of what they are trying to do by combining the bus and the bike lane into one lane. But the right. way that it's set up now, that's like, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds because there's like physical barriers in between the bus lane and the bike lane. So there's going to have right. to be like a big rethinking of like, do you put physical barriers on the mm -hmm. other side of the bus lane? Like, do you forego physical barriers for the bike and bus lane, which I would imagine they might do. So it isn't yeah. just as simple as like, oh, like, let's just repaint. Like there is some right. rethinking that needs to happen. Absolutely. And I remember in a transportation class I took when we were still in, in school, um, there was this kind of interesting um, study that was done that found people will often be in support of initiatives that get people out of cars because, and the kind of concept behind the study or like the takeaways from this study was that social behavior, you may think that drivers would not want to be in support of things like enhanced mobility options or, you know, alternative mobility options, but they often might be because they want to get more people out of vehicles with mm -hmm. the thought process being, if more people are out of the car, then there's less traffic congestion and mm -hmm. then they can drive faster. Yeah. And so sometimes it's not even about, oh, let's make my you know neighborhood or this area safer for bikers and bus riders. But 
oh, I want to, you know, have a faster commute or I don't want to sit in traffic. And so maybe if I make this decision or if I support this idea or this concept or initiative, then it'll get more people out of their cars and into other modes. And then I can stay in my car and, you know, just go about my day. And Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting thing to kind of understand the way that, you know, people like the psychology of somebody, how they, how they, and like come to these conclusions. It's just really, really interesting. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, I do think spaces like Culver Boulevard, like Washington Boulevard, that do have a lot of spaces that are intended for people to be walking and biking. And I mean, everywhere is a space that somebody should be able to walk and bike safely, but especially areas like this that are the easiest to make more pedestrian oriented, more biker friendly. Mm. I really just, you know, I think, I think it's such a shame. Like I had not heard about this until we're talking about it right now, but I think Mm -hmm. it's such a shame because these would be the easiest spaces to turn into areas that are more walker and pedestrian friendly and biker friendly. And if we can't even get there, you know, in spaces like this, it's just kind of disappointing to think of, you know, where do we go from here? You know? Right. Yeah. But I don't want to like put, you know, I don't want to be like the doomsday, like, oh, we're never going to get there. (laughs) But I do think that, you know, this would have been, they couldn't have picked better spaces. And so it's just sad that that at the end of the day, it was like, you know, just a few constituents that were angry that just kind of stopped this whole initiative. Yeah. And I think that it really interestingly ties back into our conversation about induced demand. Yes. And like adding more lanes. And it's so funny because I was actually looking at a TikTok um, that my friend had sent me about like like a fictional San Francisco where like there was highways everywhere. And then all the comments were like, just give us one more lane. I promise one more lane and traffic will be solved. And like, I was shocked that like, those were all the comments, but it was so funny because I was like, people are catching on this like phenomenon. I feel like yeah. perceived like it, the survey that they took, or like, I guess the report that they put out based on the survey literally says perceived increase in traffic congestion. And that's what it is. Like it's all perceived really like, Oh, but there's one lane. So my commute time must be shorter. But like, like we talked about with induced demand, even if you add another lane, like that doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, traffic time is going to be so much faster because there's another lane. It's just like, exactly. So like just the way that people act and their motivations are, it really is so interesting to me. And it's so like tied into these projects, even though you might just think like, oh no, we're just like adding a bike lane. Like, No, it's a lot more than that. Absolutely. And then also, you know, there is like when you reduce the lanes as well and you, you know, make when you basically reduce the amount of lanes on a street, you are also reducing the speed that a car is willing to drive. Because when cars there's like this really interesting there's been a lot of studies done on this, but basically the less lanes you have for driving, the slower the speeds are, which then makes it even more safe for, you know, pedestrians and bikers. And then not to mention that you now have like designated lanes for bikers and buses and and pedestrians. But I think the interesting thing as well is that I would also assume that based on, you know, just human behavior, if you knew 
that, for instance, oh, you know, Culver Boulevard or Washington Boulevard now is reduced to one lane at this, you know, certain space. I'm not going to I'm not going to drive there Mm -hmm. because maybe, you know, their perception is that like, oh, there's probably going to be a ton of traffic. So I would also be curious to know, like, you know, how did that impact, you know, a reduced lane? Like, how did that impact someone like a driver's behavior? Um, But also to see that the the study or the report that was put out said that there was actually no change, significant change in commute times or in traffic congestion just really does highlight that I think people try to like demonize or they they feel like their freedom in some capacity is like being taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes feel like it's more so that like they're more so fighting that than they are actually fighting the concept of a more walkable and bikeable city. Right. And that gets so frustrating because really at the end of the day, how do you kind of switch that narrative or change that perception? And what's the conversation that needs to be had to let people know it's, you know, and you and I talk about this all the time. We're not trying to kick you out of your car, but we're also saying that like, you don't just get to monopolize the street and just have your way with it because you're a driver. Right. You know, that, that can't be the reality. That's, that's not realistic. It's not you know, smart. It's not a good use of space. It's not good urban planning. It's not good living. Like, wouldn't you as any person want to say, oh, you know what, instead of like driving today, maybe I'll bike or maybe I'll walk or, you know, whatever the case. And Mm -hmm. so I just think that's, it's just so, all of this is so interesting to hear about and, you know, also to just kind of be living in And just taking away all these concepts that we talked about in school and during class. And, you know, it's just, yeah, very, very interesting to kind of understand that urban planning at the end of the day, like, I I wouldn't, I don't think it's a social science, but it has so much to do with social behavior Mm -hmm. and human behavior. And so it's just, I don't know, it's so interesting because how do you, how do you change someone's mind, you know? Um, yeah. Well, that is a great question. And I think a great place to end because this is something that is like obviously developing and they have not yet made these changes. The The vote just happened. And so right. I think that this is something that we can come back to when we have more information on what they're planning to do and how they're planning to implement Um and just see kind of how it goes. And you can be our eyes on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can will, give us yeah. the live updates. <laughs> I am on Culver Boulevard at least once a week. So I will definitely let you know what changes I'm seeing out there. Um, I was just there a couple of days ago and didn't, everything obviously looks exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so no updates yet, guys. But soon enough, you know, we'll see. We shall see. Well... I think that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of Urban Planning is Not Boring. If you did, please remember to send us to your friends and follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember guys, urban planning is not boring. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs>